0: Welcome to The Renegade Economist with your host Carl Fitzgerald broadcasting for the last time from our office at LSX in Richmond. Yes, we're moving again off to North Melbourne. Finally, our new home is ready in a more permanent and quieter location. So uh, that will be good for the radio show. So we're heading back to the 16th global environmental taxation conference and we're talking tax minimization with AJ Gupta and uh, yeah it's been in the news this week hasn't it because exactly the topic we analyzed the OECD uh, report into multinational tax avoidance and the and the policies needed to avoid it on uh, Monday the OECD released their base erosion and profit shifting plan. So this took a couple of years of feedback from around the world. Business leaders, business groups, economists, all sorts of people have um, contributed to this report. And today we're going to be talking to AJ Gupta, who is a senior journalist at taxnotes.com. That's taxnotes.com. All right, let's go the interview. Okay, we're with AJ Gupta. He's uh, part of the media contingent here. And AJ, you've had an interesting role in the multinational tax avoidance debate that's been going on and hosted quite some panel in New York. Could you fill us in on exactly what that was about? Sure, that was the inaugural
1: meeting of an independent commission. It's called the Independent Commission for the Reform of International Corporate Taxation. And it consisted of uh, nine independent commissioners from from different countries. Uh, Probably the more famous of them uh, uh, included uh, Joe Stiglitz from the U.S., Nobel Prize winner in economics in 2000, and uh, Jose Ocampo, who uh, was uh, Colombia's Minister of Finance and is now a professor at Columbia University. As he says, he went from one Columbia to the other and the Commission heard from uh, several experts in the field of international taxation. I was fortunate enough to to moderate that uh, inaugural meeting. Uh, Following the uh, testimony that it received in New York, the Commission proceeded to prepare its own report and on the 5th of October, which is when the OECD is going to release its final reports on what it calls its Project Against Base Erosion and Profit Shifting, the Independent Commission is going to release its counter-proposals and those proposals are going to be in marked contrast to what the OECD is going to recommend.
0: Right, so there must have been quite a battle of the ideas then and what was some of the innovative proposals uh, you could share with us?
1: So the Commission uh, essentially uh, came down against uh, continuing with what the OECD calls the arm's length method which is maintaining the fiction that uh, the constituent groups of our multinational enterprise are independent entities dealing with each other at an arm's length basis. The commission uh, is going to recommend that all of these constituent groups be treated for what they are which is essentially captives and that all the income and all the expense items just be allocated based on on arbitrary formulae rather than, uh, as I said, persisting with this fiction of trying to impute uh, economic prices to dealings which are really essentially the left hand dealing with the right hand which, as we've seen, allows these enterprises to move their profits artificially around and then hide most of them in tax haven jurisdictions. So the commission recommends the best way to get rid of that is use arbitrary formula to assign uh, profits to to different jurisdictions in which a multinational operates.
0: And so what are some of those formulas uh, that tax avoidance uh, experts use?
1: What is called formulary apportionment is what the commission is going to recommend and that would look at factors such as um, headcount, sales, payroll, things that are difficult or almost impossible to fudge and if you use those yardsticks then a, a certain percentage of profits would be allocated to a given jurisdiction depending on the actual economic activity that is taking place in that jurisdiction. Whereas if you continue with the arm's length method then it is possible for example to set up what are called gold plate entities which are really just paper entities in tax haven jurisdictions and have them hold for example valuable intangibles and then allocate profits to those uh, entities in the Cayman or the Bahamas or other tax haven jurisdictions. So if you're using actual on the ground reality factors such as sales or headcount or payroll, then it's impossible to claim that most of your profits are arising in the Caymans because you're unlikely to have more than one or two people in the Caymans
0: or just even a post box. Or even a post box. So that's the usual trick, isn't it? They just have a post box set up there and say their whole company's run out of this tax haven and for that reason they should be able to pay basically zero tax. So some of the strategies I've heard, um, uh, the the common one is transfer pricing. Could you explain to us that measure and what some of the, the edgy angles of reforming that might be?
1: Right, so what I was talking to you about, the arms length method, that is sort of the, sort of the basic um, the principle that guides the, the current um, arms uh, transfer pricing uh, regime. Transfer pricing is essentially what price to impute to uh, goods and services that are moving between constituent elements of a multinational group. So, for example, when Google Ireland is dealing with Google US... What price would you impute to goods and services that are flowing in between them? What, transfer, what price would you impute to that transfer? So that is transfer pricing. And the OECD, since uh, I want to say at least 50 years now, maybe more, has been using the arm's length method. So that is one way to do it. And what the commission is going to recommend is to use what I said is formulary apportionment to impute prices to these transfers. So when we normally hear about transfer pricing, what we think about are, as you alluded, um, these artificial prices that are based on this fiction of, of entities trading with each other as third parties a, a, at arm's length. And the fiction says we should dispense, the commission says we should dispense with that fiction.
0: And so just to spell out that example, because the tax rate is lower in Ireland, uh, the, uh, the prices would probably be, uh, doctored so that uh, the, the, the proportion of trade was higher in Ireland so that um, the American tax entity would pay less um, and the, the, the Irish tax entity would also pay less but because they've got a lower tax rate.
1: That's right and, and typically the way it, it is done is that you set up an intangibles holding company, a holding company in Ireland that, that supposedly is the owner of patents or copyrights or trademarks. And so then your entity that is doing actual business in in the rest of Europe or in Asia or the Middle East is paying royalties for using these patents that are held by a sister company in Ireland. So you're siphoning off your profits under the guise of paying royalties to your intangibles holding company. And as you said, because that is incorporated in Ireland it's going to pay a really low rate of tax on those royalties that it is receiving.
0: It must be uh, frustrating for the OECD because they always try and come up with a progressive um, tax reform and I remember 10 years ago there being talk about tax harmonisation rates and the OECD was having a big conference in Melbourne, there were all these international journalists, and the very night before the three-day conference with all sorts of heads of states flying in, the media were treated to a lavish, uh, seminar session at the the Ritzius Hotel overlooking the river and this was hosted by George Bush's favorite think tank the Heritage Foundation and it was filled with um, so-called experts talking about filling the minds of the media with exactly why they shouldn't believe that these tax harmonization rates will ever work and so the media entered into this three-day conference already having had their mind made up for them. So uh, here we have the OECD again um, uh, promoting these uh, BEPS rules. Uh, There are other groups critiquing that. That's fair enough. But then you have uh, sovereign states such as England and Australia coming out with their own policies. And it was the last act of our... uh, uh, recently uh, demoted and, and now retired well soon to be retired treasurer Joe Hockey with the um, introduction of combating multinational tax avoidance bill. So uh, here in Australia they um, imposed a system that any multinational with uh, a r- global revenues over $1 billion dollars, if they were caught avoiding tax, they would have to pay back double what they owed plus interest so uh, that was a broad brush stroke that um, was one of the pushes and the other angle to that reform was that they changed the thin capitalization rules um, to help i put in inverted commas uh, prevent multinationals from shifting profits overseas via extensive interest deductions now this thin capitalization argument is probably, would that be the next most popular mechanism um, to transfer pricing in terms of tax avoidance amongst huge companies that have offices all around the world?
1: Actually the OECD's uh, BEPS project does uh, look at uh, interest uh, deductibility and comes up with what it calls best practices on, on that. It addresses thin cap rules and also uh, interest payments within a group. So. Clearly the, the the OECD is aware of that and is is trying to come up with recommendations for different countries to try to address that. But you're right. I mean the way profits are, are shifted around, artificially shifted around are using intangibles and therefore royalty payments or debt within the group and therefore interest payments within the group. Those are the two principal means which allow profits to be artificially moved to tax friendlier jurisdictions.
0: Well, I must say I'm impressed with the continual momentum to to uh, tighten up on multinational companies. AJ, what do you see as uh, best practices and what do you think will eventuate uh, with this continual policy uh, conundrum that, that faces so many governments around the planet?
1: So, the arm's length method, I think, is, is unworkable because it is essentially inconsistent with setting up a multinational enterprise. The reason multinational companies set up subsidiaries rather than work with independent vendors or contractors is because their efficiency is to be gained by having different companies belong to the same group. So at its core, a multinational group is an integrated firm. To persist with the fiction that these constituent companies are, are behaving as third parties would behave in the market is just flat out inconsistent. So the arm's length method has to give way at some point to some sort of arbitrary allocation. And it's just a question of time, and sooner or later, these rules are going to have to start acknowledging that that whatever arbitrariness there might be in a a formulary apportionment method, that is way better than the potential for abuse in any other method.
0: Well, AJ Gupta, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for all the interesting conversations we've had overlooking the Sydney Harbour and uh, yeah, we've been very lucky up here, so thank you.
1: My pleasure, thank you.
0: So there we have AJ Gupta from taxnotes.com And I thought I'd uh, reflect on what we discussed uh, uh, by quoting some elements of an article in The Conversation called Double Trouble, Why Landmark OECD Tax Reform is Doomed Before It Starts. And uh, in it they talk about the 1920s compromise uh, developed at the League of Nations which allocated primary tax rights to the active income of the business and residence countries. So that's fair enough but the primary taxing rights to the passive income such as dividends, royalties, interest and presumably capital gains goes to the residence country where the company is actually legally residing. And of course that allows all sorts of loopholes to open up in this world of capital mobility and tax havens. So that's where a lot of the concern over tax evasion has come from. Uh, But this article goes on to say, look, um, the problem with BEPS is um, whatever it comes up with, there's still going to be competition, not only between countries on tax rates, but also on aspects to the tax base. And uh, that looks at tax expenditures and so forth. So uh, it's incredibly hard, if you ask me to get 195 countries to agree on anything, whether it be climate, some sort of trade agreement, or some sort of tax evasion tool. And that's why beyond that minimal criticism is the greater concern that companies will still be able to shift entities around according to where this tax competition is uh, greatest. And uh, it seems like in India, where a whole pile of uh, concern has erupted there over tax evasion, and uh, I think what they call black money. Accountants have been working around the clock trying to find ways to hide money, and I'm sure that with uh, the dark net and blockchain technology, who knows where money is gonna be stored in the future. So here on The Renegade Economist, of course, uh, you can hide companies but you can't hide one of the major asset bases that so many companies need and that is the land and that's why switching taxes off our incomes off our corporate profits which are massaged by accountants anyway and placing that tax base back on the largest asset in any economy and adding to that other monopoly rents such as, uh, dare I say, banking licences or something that's just come out in the news, a story we've been following for a long time here, and that is DNA privatisation. And uh, in great news, Yvonne Darcy, who took Myriad Genetics, the company we've been talking about for years, to the federal court over BRCA1, the gene linked to breast and ovarian cancer. She lost that at the federal court, but it appealed and took it to the high court. And just this afternoon, it was announced that, the, that Yvonne Darcy was successful in defeating this looming patent over one of our core genes, BRCA1. So uh, why should companies have the ability to privatise what's known as the commons. And these common gifts to us, whether they're our DNA sequences, whether it's land in prime locations, or whether it's never-ending copyrights, such as uh, the Mickey Mouse cartoons that uh, Disney's made so much money out of, uh, these are in the public interest, and we should all share from those natural profits. So let's hope that the tax avoidance multinational debate continues in years to come to recognise that uh, uh, this world of complexity often needs a very simple solution, one that can't be avoided. We all need land, even cyber companies need the electromagnetic spectrum to broadcast through. So that is uh, part of this planet and would come under our far-reaching tax reform. So this is a shortened edition of The Renegade Economist. I look forward to being back with you next week on 3CR Airwaves. This week is the Mental as Mental Health special. So uh, I handed my 30 minutes on the public airwaves to our friends uh, at Brainwaves to broadcast and tell their story, important as it is. All right, well, I hope you look after your mental health. I hope reading some of the content you find on earthsharing.org.au, prosper.org.au or michael-hudson.com. His new book, Killing the Host, is out and causing quite a storm online this week on naked capitalism amongst others. All right, thanks very much for listening. My name's Carl Fitzgerald. Send your feedback to renegades at earthsharing.org.au and assist my mental health by joining, becoming a member of our organization at prosper.org.au. prosper.org.au. That's where most of our content is. All right. Thanks for your help. Keeping an eye on these monopolists trying to carve up this beautiful planet. planet.